The Rebrand Podcast is a proud member of the I Hear Everything Podcast Network. Looking to launch or scale your podcast? I Hear Everything delivers podcast production, growth, and monetization solutions that transform your words into profit. Ready to give your brand a voice? Then visit IHearEverything.com. Welcome to the Rebrand Podcast, a member of the I Hear Everything Podcast Network. This podcast tells the stories of world-changing marketing campaigns as told by the people who build them. Ready to hear untold stories behind the brands you love? Then sit back, relax, and get ready for the Rebrand. Here's the host of the Rebrand Podcast, the CEO of the Harkey Group, Scott Harkey. All right. Welcome to the Rebrand Podcast. As you know, we tell untold stories of world-changing brand campaigns as told by the martyrs who built them. I'm your host and founder of the Harky Group, Scott Harky. Joining us today is my producer, Benjamin Shabira. He's the CEO and executive producer at I Hear Everything, which is a podcast production growth and monetization firm for high-growth companies. As you know, Ben is the producer of the show. He produces a lot of other marketing podcasts uh, as part of his podcast network. Yesterday, Ben and I talked about what brands should buy Super Bowl ads, and today we're going to discuss what makes a successful Super Bowl ad. Uh, here's my conversation with Benjamin Shabira, the CEO and executive producer at I Hear Everything. All right, brother, we're back. Dum, 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 dum. I'm still blown away. Like I never liked to toot our own horn, but 5,000 to 15,000 subscribers. Like, thank you. That's been badass. I hate talking about this or bragging about this, but like, that's really freaking cool. So kudos. Yeah. I dropped that on you in the last episode. I, I felt undersold because we've been working hard on promoting the podcast as your producer, Scott, you've got a pretty good audience now. There's <laughs> yeah. like 15,000 people that follow you. It's freaking crazy, man. I was like finishing the show out and I'm like, Hey, I think we're like 6,000 subscribers. And Ben's like, no dude, we're 15,000. Like, oh shit. Cool. Look, it's not the Super Bowl ad, but we're doing something right. We're getting there, man. It's fun. And just, I've met so many cool people on the show where I've connected after. I just referred another Amazon agency guy yesterday, another deal, because he's great at what he does. And I heard about his Amazon agency on the show and I, I don't have an Amazon agency. The one I knew got sold to somebody else and they were doing as good a job. So I see other people connecting after the show and linking in with each other. They'll put the thing on LinkedIn. And it's really been a like a pretty rad community of people who love this business and people that learning. So enough tooting <laughs> our own horn, but I, I thought it was a cool point just because I you know, I said the wrong stat and you corrected me. I was like, holy shit, I'm glad I had you on so I can get my stats right. Well, you know, that's what we're here for. And I'm glad if you're happy, I'm happy. And no, Scott, you've got a, a nice audience and, and hopefully they're interested in hearing about what makes a good Super Bowl. I actually think this is going to be the most actionable episode that we record while talking about the Super Bowl, which is what makes a good Super Bowl ad, right? It, I think of this as like Bill Clinton and his description of pornography, Sorry to get crude on your podcast. <laughs> I don't know if he was on trial for the Monica Lewinsky thing or if he was just in front of Congress, but he was trying to define what is pornography. And he said, I know what it is when I see it. <laughs> and a good Super Bowl ad, I'm like, I know when the room gets quiet. I know when everybody is like paying attention to the ad. And then when people are talking about it after, like to me, those are the KPIs of a Super Bowl ad, not from a marketing or marketer's perspective, but from like a, I've thrown a, Super Bowl party for the last 10 years, I could tell you what the ads are that people are going to be talking about the next day. Yeah. And I, I like having Super Bowl parties too. And I typically go to all the marketing parties before the game 
and go see all the brand activations, which is a whole other thing beyond the Super Bowl ads. Just seeing what brands are there, who they're meeting with, how they're collaborating, how they're thinking about it. It's its own world from, I mean, SI just announced they're laying off all their publishers, but SI still does insane Super Bowl parties, which is do they? weird. Like they're a activation company, not a publisher anymore. And then I come home and I go do all this shit, but I don't go to the game. I've noticed <laughs> to go to the Super Bowl. I come home and I typically, I love having Super Bowl parties and I invite kids and adults and I'm watching the game, like it's a whole fun thing. And, and I like to see what people are watching what ads were resonated and like I turn the sound up when the commercial come and typically like in Phoenix, you know, the local TV station will I'll have to like go in to like go do a segment on what Super Bowl ads I saw, blah, 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 blah. So what makes them successful though, which is a great point. And I thought your Bill Clinton point. And I, I have a Bill Clinton impression. I'll see if I I don't know if I can officially do it. I know we're gonna Super Bowl ad with our see what I did not have sexual relations with one. <laughs> That's my Southern Bill Clinton horrible accent. That, that was pretty rough. But here's the deal. I do think I do think there is a formula for success if you look over time. And there's certainly outliers all over the board and all over the map. But one thing that you can't deny in terms of people using it over and over again for success is celebrities. If you look at even, you know, I mean, I'm sorry, but we talked about it last episode. Taylor Swift's going to add, I think the NFL did a study or somebody did a study that said Taylor Swift going to the chief throat games added like 400 million in value in sales to the NFL. I don't know how they came up with that number. Someone asked me at the gym today. I'm like, well, they made it up because they don't really know, but they looked at some things. They looked at ratings. They looked at cost per point on ratings, different ad rates and ad revenue and Jersey sales and things like that. But there's no question the right celebrity in a spot adds something to the ad. It adds some sort of cultural relevance, some sort of star power that, again, I don't love that, but that's how America is. It's a very celebrity-driven culture. So if you look at most of the ads, a lot of them, I don't know, 70%, 60% are going to have some sort of celebrity star power. And yeah, that's not cheap to do. And they're doing it. Why? Why do all the Hollywood movies have a certain script and there's certain star power? You're going to go see it based on who's in it. It's just how it is, especially with content. So that's one thing. The second thing I think that makes a Super Bowl ad is everything leading up to and around the ad from a social perspective. If there's a stunt or even some sort of giveaway or some sort of call to action that's unique and different that gets people talking or engaging or doing something before or after, I think that is a recipe for success. And the good brands are finding a way, whether it's the QR code, whether it's a some sort of free trial or some sort of stunt that you said you were doing one thing and then it was abracadabra, you're doing something different. The, the last thing is, and, and I think this is crucial and, and the hardest to really judge, I think what makes a successful ad is that it's tapping into some sort of human truth without getting away from the authenticity of the brand. So they're tapping into almost like a Seinfeld episode of something that's remarkably human collectively. Cause again, we talked about a last, last episode, it's a broad audience. So like in a great Seinfeld episode, or maybe it was it, maybe it was even what's the guy that created Seinfeld that has his own show, a Curb Your Enthusiasm show where he doesn't know how long to hold the door open when he's going into a building. Right. Yep. And, and everyone's been in that weird sense of, of like opening a door, but like how, how long is too long to wait? How close is someone? I'm an overholder. I'll be there for five minutes. Yeah, right. Yeah. And so like what sort of 
human truth, like with Snickers, like when, when you're hangry and you need a break, like the great brands and the great campaigns and the great as they tap into this remotely funny human truth, comedians do it too, where, where you can be black, white, gray, you know, tall, short, but like you, you've all experienced a same collective moment. And that's something really cool and really unique to being humans, I think. So if you can tap into that and do it with permission of like that makes sense for your brand, that to me is is sort of the recipe, I think, for success. But it's hard to do because brands have all these human characteristics, animal characteristics tied to them. So what permission do they have to act a certain way or have a certain personality? And what's authentic and what's not authentic? There's not one marketer out there that's going to say, be authentic. Well, you need to be authentic. Well, well no shit. W what does that actually mean for your brand? And what exercises can you do? What personality exercises can you do that give you a personality, that give you a story, that gives you permission to act and to highlight a human truth that is a certain way without looking like a door, like without looking like a tryhard, without looking like a faker, without looking like someone who's not being real to actually who they are. To me, that's the secret sauce and the tough part about this $10 million gamble. It's funny, you're thinking so much deeper than I am about it. I was thinking about what makes a good Super Bowl ad. And I think there's really four words that come to mind and it's relevant. So you're doing something that's culturally relevant right now. And then beyond that, humor, are you funny? You're going to make people enjoy the moment. Sex appeal always works. You know, the the Paris Hilton, the Carl's Jr. ad or the Sidney Crawford ad from a million years ago. Like, I definitely still remember that. And then puppies. That's another one. Anything yeah. with animals tends to do really well. Cuteness. Like, there's a couple just mainstays that are always relevant in the Super Bowl. And like, yeah, you don't want to be a tryhard, but like make everybody laugh and throw your logo at the end. That's kind of the recipe for me. I hear you. And look, there's so much data now. I think brands have a really good idea how they're differentiated, especially Super Bowl advertising brands, like sophisticated, you know, analytics people. They 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 get it. They know how they're differentiated from the competition. They know what product and service they excel at. They know why people love them. And if they can highlight that in a way, almost like a good comedic writer or a good drama writer in Hollywood. I mean, if I had 30 writers in a room. And I took all the brand personality traits and things that made that brand great, things that made that thing differentiated. And I could find a human truth with writers and comedy within a celebrity. That to me is it. I've heard the process of multiple CMOs with this. I mean, for literally a year, they are sourcing ideas. They are sourcing and sourcing and sourcing and sourcing. It's just like if you're writing an SNL skit, right? You're sourcing ideas and you're sourcing ideas and then you're cutting down, you're cutting down, you're cutting down, you're cutting down. Uh, so when you get to when you're shooting the the spot a month before, two months before, or sometimes in three weeks before the event, you really feel good about the idea that you have that's highlighting this human truth. It's also highlighting preferably what makes your brand special and unique in your marketplace. And you're marrying those two things together. To me, that's the recipe. Because if you just add celebrities and you just have something funny that's written by amazing comic writers like for instance i remember 10 years ago the birds trying to find someone to poop on right and there's they're flying yeah. around and trying to like that's hilarious but like who is the brand i don't know well, yeah that comedy skit how did that highlight what makes the brand special you, you have to be able to marry those things together 
to get the recall rate and give yourself credit. Otherwise, you're just saying some funny shit. You totally took the words out of my mouth. All of those things are important. Puppies, everybody loves puppies commercial, but if it's not relevant to your brand, it doesn't work. Sex appeal, and I mentioned the Paris Hilton commercial back in the day when she was like (laughs) the it girl, and there was the, the ad with her in like a very skimpy bathing suit eating a giant cheeseburger with barbecue sauce. It was a Carl's Jr. ad, but it was consistent with Carl's Jr. and their brand. It would have just been too random had that been Paris Hilton parading around wearing next to nothing, selling mortgages for Rocket Mortgage, right? Like that would have been a fail. Talk to me a little bit about when we think about what makes a good Super Bowl ad. Obviously, relevant brand connection, make sure it's topical. What are some of the things that you shouldn't do? I think in today's marketplace, any sort of political condentation today, around again, five years ago, it worked really well for some brands. Some it didn't. <laughs> high risk, high reward. I, I think right now that's a disaster. Maybe at a time they'll, they'll be that. I mean, comedy right now, I think is the white space that is probably less risky. Any sort of feel good kind of stuff right now, I think could potentially come across preachy and that, that would be tough. I mean, the internet versus brands, I'm sorry, they're undefeated. <laughs> so you do not want to go against the internet. You're going to get hammered. You're going to lose. Okay. It's why Barstool Sports has been so successful against ESPN because the internet is undefeated. They're not going to be defeated because there's just too many people that can say whatever they want and things can get trending. And if you're doing something even remotely not authentic, the internet will find you. (laughs) They will find the perfect moment in time that you did something and they will be undefeated. And and so I think there's very few white space now to play that can get you into the controversial game. So as of right now, again, in other years, I would say something different. Or maybe if you're a controversial product or brand, or maybe if you had, I don't know, 95% of your audience is liberal Democrat and 95% of your audience is liberal Republican, you probably have a crazy white space that could be pretty controversial in a way that gets people talking, that fires up your base. I don't think any of these CPG companies or car companies are going to get into that, but maybe maybe a company that is selling, I don't know, something crazy that has a very specific audience could get away with something crazy like that. I think the NRA could probably get a pretty controversial Super Bowl ad if they're allowed to advertise. You know, that that's something that really slants one way. I'll take what you're saying and, and reiterate it. In a a little bit of a different fashion, you got to remember the context of how people are consuming the media. They're at a Super Bowl party. They're watching TV amongst friends in loud conversation. Nobody wants the Sarah McLaughlin in the eyes of the angel with the dog and it's dying and it's emaciated. Like, that's not the time for that sort of ad. It just makes people feel bad when they want to feel good. We're all a couple brewskis in. It's the Super Bowl. I think that's an important thing to remember. I mean, what's the meme that's going to exist the day after the Super Bowl when people are on the internet, when people are on Twitter recapping and looking for the funny comments and the funny memes from the game? I think in today's game, I think the social media team and the PR team and and the execution that they have and the follow-up and the beforehand is more important than actually the creative today. So tell me a little bit more about that, because it seems like the Super Bowl ad is only one portion of the media campaign. To run a successful Super Bowl ad, 
you have to be able to activate on the media you're buying. How do brands do that right? A hundred percent. And it's 360, right? It's, it's, hey, fries, we're, you know, we're Reese's, we're doing a Super Bowl ad. What can we activate in store for the next two months? Hey, you know, X, Y, and Z supplier, Circle K, 7-Eleven, we're Reese's, we're doing a Super Bowl ad. I know you're doing a Super Bowl ad. How do we capitalize this? I'm on better shelf space. What, you know, do you need tickets to the game? Like it's a whole thing. 360 from in-store, from activation around grounds and other places to internet advertising and search and paid around people that watch the game and have it a, a fan affiliation with certain teams. It's your out of home. It's, it, and then the social and the PR is the biggest thing in, in all that, in my mind. And it's how can you stretch what you've done into the internet audience? And then how are they sharing and retweeting about that? And for a long time, there's been a debate whether do you do brand down creative or do you do social centric out creative? And to me, it's pretty clear that we're moving to social centric out where you're coming up with a social centric idea that has legs that gets spread outward by other influencers and people, especially as we've seen traditional media continue to die, especially if we've seen traditional news media go down the drain and, and people not really trusting it as it's been politicized. Social campaign out campaigns are really what is working today and what you're going to see more of. And so when you have that, you still need to have social people that are carrying the torch, carrying the baton to different other social people that are carrying that message over and over again. And the best form of, of are you being successful in this world isn't the 118 million people that saw the Super Bowl ad, which maybe only 50 of a million saw it because they're probably getting a break or in the pool or throwing bags or whatever they're doing. It's the how many other people shared it on Twitter or Instagram or saw the meme later. That's the true definition of success. Are people so compelled by the piece of content that you put out that they're resharing it and then putting their own funny thing on it? That's true success. And that's where the social teams come in. It's your podcast, but I feel obligated to correct you on one thing. People only go in the pool during the Super Bowl if they live in Arizona. Nobody <laughs> else is doing that and shit. As soon as I said that, I'm like, <laughs> well, that's, uh, that's a very Southwestern. Must, must be nice. You know, to me, as I'm thinking through what makes us a successful Super Bowl ad, I'm envisioning a, a multi-stage campaign. And there's always that like blank question type of advertising. And I, you know, I could just see in my head billboards around every football stadium that's asking a question that's something very vague, you know, like who is Scott Harkey question mark on a billboard. So people just see that as a question leading up to the Super Bowl. Then you throw your Super Bowl ad and it's, hi, I'm Scott Harkey. I'm the host of the Rebrand podcast. We do a great podcast and we're going to do some sort of something that drives engagement, right? Some sort of a giveaway or, you know, something that can get people into social and interact, right? If you want to be a guest, go to our website and we're going to pick the best guest question to invite you to be on the show some sort of a lead-in that's before the show. You get your media that gets out to everybody. And then there's a way for people to actually engage that helps you capture that demand. Mm -hmm. uh, maybe I'm thinking about it from like the startup mentality where I want to recognize demand generation and, and get things into some of our other marketing channels as opposed to just thinking CPG and having it be all awareness. But I think that that's what would make a great Super Bowl ad is the ability to capture some of that activity on the back end. So just quick things to remember about why television advertising is so great. And, and we're witnessing the death of television advertising, which is crazy to me. We saw the death of newspaper. 
we're now watching the death of television advertising. I mean, there's still connected TV and there still is live sports and news advertising and there's still an audience. The decline of television advertising at the percentage that we've seen it is unprecedented, okay? Yep. And so Super Bowl is the last gathering of an audience together watching a spot, mainly, right? Like you may watch Netflix or HBO or Showtime and, and here's the role in as you're watching Sean, there's maybe two people in a room, but to have five, 10, 15, 20 people in a room when you have sight, sound, on together, there's a saying, sight, sight and sound create emotion, right? And emotion sells, right? And, and TV advertising is, is special. It freaking works. People love it. So Super Bowl is the last really dying medium of, I think, television advertising of its heyday and why it was so successful back in the 90s, especially 2000s. There's another component to it as well. And I mentioned before that the, the experience that people are going through when they're watching the game, sight, sound, motion creates emotion. That's true, but that can also be true at a YouTube ad, right? That can also be true in something that you're seeing streamed on Netflix that you're watching on your iPad on a bus. There's the sense of community, right? There's the communal viewing activity in the Super Bowl, which is another thing which I think makes these ads specifically special is it's the only time where my wife and I are watching a football game together like all year. She hates football. I love it. We rarely ever get together and experience the games together. We're both watching the Super Bowl ads. And I think that that sense of community is really impactful. And one thing that, you know, why that audience is so special. Yeah. I mean, w when you go to work the next day or you're on your Zoom calls the next day, what's the water cooler talk? I mean, there's there's been moments in history where human beings experience things together, to your point of community, and Super Bowl advertising is one of those. And if you could be one of the five or 10 moments that an entire country experienced together, that is something truly unique and special. It's, again, very hard to do, very expensive to do. But to your point, like a group of people sharing the same content experience. So if a 30-second spot moved 118 million people at the same time, and then they're continuing to talk about it, that is a moment in time in which a brand was completely relevant. I mean, there's only big moments in a lifespan of America where the people watch them together. Some of them are not good moments, and we can think about what those are, right? Some of them are good moments. And that's why I think what makes the Super Bowl advertising opportunity so interesting, because there's just very few communal watching kind of experiences like that, and then continue before the game, after the game. I mean, it's Super Bowl is a phenomenon. I mean, the, the cities that host the game have hundreds of million dollars of economic development after it leaves. Like it's truly something so American <laughs> and so cultural that it's, it's sort of kind of mind blown. There's really nothing like it. And it, and in a lot of ways, it doesn't make sense <laughs> the way it's structured because it's gotten so big and so commercial. I just hope that the topic of conversation is, boy, that was a great Super Bowl. Those ads were funny. And can you believe Mr. Irrelevant is the MVP of the Super Bowl? That's that's my hope and dream for this yeah, year. Yeah, over under of Travis Kelsey being the Super Bowl MVP. We were talking about that at the gym today. If I were betting on something, a prop, that'd be a nice potential prop. I'm a big fan of the Bill Simmons podcast, and, and he predicted that if Travis Kelsey wins – He's going to take out a ring and propose at the Super Bowl in front of everybody. And then it's just going to be the storybook ending that Taylor Swift has been singing <laughs> about her entire career. And look, all of that advertising for Zales or someone, I don't know who's getting a piece of that. My nine-year-old Quinn 
she now is going to watch the Super Bowl because of Taylor Swift. So makes me happy because now she's somehow interested in football. <laughs> That's crazy. Thank you, Taylor Swift. And I'm sure all the advertisers are grateful as well. Ben, thanks for coming on. I, I just love riffing on this stuff. Uh, you know, pr- probably not saying anything that's, you know, blowing people away here. And again, I, I think the same themes continue to come out on the show, which I love. And when you see those themes and you really think about it, it keeps us, keeps me anyway, at a level that is thinking from a, a human macro sense, like where is the puck going? How are people reacting to things? How can we keep our brand marketing at a level that, and, and and not just say things that, like you said, and I even said, like culturally relevant, you know, and that's, that's kind of a new tone that makes sense. But in a lot of ways, I, I think we get so in the minutia and, and we start talking about things in the industry that, that become buzzwords. And we continue to need to be reminded to zoom out and to think about humans and how humans interact socially in a society and the best brands in the world are are weaving the needle and becoming relevant because they understand where society is, what it needs, what it wants, how to relate, how to be talked about. And it's sort of an, an interesting thing. But yet when we talk about it, we we use these industry jargon sometimes and it and it doesn't come across in the same way. So like Norman going off on a weird tangent. But I love coming on and being, I guess, a quasi guest is my favorite topic. So thanks for letting me freestyle. Ben, thanks for everything you do for the show. Thanks for you coming on. It's like we first started when I was a podcast guest on, on one of your shows. So I love it. All right. That wraps up the episode of the Rebrand Podcast. Thanks to Benjamin Shapiro, CEO, executive producer. I hear everything for joining us. Thanks for letting me talk Super Bowl because I geek out on it. Can't wait till the next episode. You want to learn more about Benjamin? You can find everything on his LinkedIn profile, which we'll put in our show notes. You can contact him also on Twitter. His handle is BenJShap. This company website at IHearEverything.com. Just another note I want to tell you about, as always, everything is at rebrandpod.com. Episodes, guests, take notes, anything you want, rebrandpod.com. If you want to apply to be a guest, we'd love to see it, especially if you're a brand marketer, really looking for a bigger push for brand marketers on the show. Thanks for everyone who's been on the show. Thanks for just being a loyal group of marketers and, and it's been a lot of fun. You can find me on social media, just ask Scott Harkey, Instagram, Twitter, Facebook, all the fun stuff. Hit that subscribe button if, if you're a marketer and want to be part of this community. We'd love to have you. We're, we're now at 15,000 subscribers. So if you're a fan of the show, please subscribe. If you are a subscriber, thank you so much for building a really cool marketing little group here. It's it's definitely community. People we have on are connecting on LinkedIn. I've seen other people connect after the show. I thought we grew from like five to 6,000. We grew from five to 15,000 subscribers, which to me is the main KPI that I care about because that tells me we're really building the community. So thank you. And if you're not part of the community, we'd love to have you. That's it for today. But remember, essentially to rebuild, reboot, or rebrand.